Good afternoon. It is Thursday, November 10th, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald filling in for Cecilia Dahl on the Next Generation Leaders Call. And it is my pleasure to introduce our very special guest today. Mary Doyle has written a book called Mentoring Heroes. And since mentoring is right at the core of what we do in the Next Generation Leaders Group, uh, we thought it would be great to have Mary talk to the group. We just recently had her as a guest on the Executive Girlfriends Group call. So some of this, uh, if you listened to that call, will be uh, very similar. But I've asked Mary to focus her comments on those who are actually seeking out a mentor uh, as opposed to those who are wanting to mentor, which is what our other call focused on. Mary, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I am just doing great. Mary, can you give us a little bit of your background? And, and I know you used a, a very interesting uh, method of putting this book together, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I was a reporter for newspapers, and um, a major paper in Chicago, for many years. And one of the themes that I saw from everyone that I interviewed was that they were very eager to tell me about the people who helped them get to where they had been. And I I always thought this was pretty surprising because I was offering them a platform to speak about themselves, and yet they always wanted to share that spotlight. <laughs> so I started looking into it, and I um, wanted to know if they had mentors, how were they being mentored? What type of role did the mentor play? Did they turn around a mentor? And how did they fit it into their day? Because especially for women, we balance a lot of hats. And I know the men now are taking on a lot of the home duties, too, and, and some have switched roles, as you say, you have, too. Right. And I know other women who have been in the profession for a long time, too, had maybe at-home uh, dads working for them at home so they can be that support group so they could get out and work more in their profession. But if that's not the case, it's more likely than not. Uh, somehow you only have 24 hours in a day. So how do you get all these things done and how can you advance in your profession? And I see that it's absolutely vital to have a mentor. Successful people have mentors. That's why they're so eager to tell me about that. But then how do you manage that in the day? So this is how I started with the book, was just talking to other women. And I ended up talking to 52. And why 52? I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of the stories <laughs> that were were able to categorize. It gave me enough variety. I mean, we could go on and on with this because um, there's so many different opportunities today that you could be talking to people that are in professions that are very new or a new edge to a profession, and right. so they're looking for a mentor in a whole different way and having to be mentored in a different way because their needs are going to be so specific to their industry. So. Mary, one of the things I I don't remember whether we talked about last time we spoke um, was, you know, clearly we can seek out uh, other women to mentor us. Uh, I happen to have uh, a actually a group of men that mentor me, and uh, of course, many of the women within the executive. Uh, girlfriends group provide uh, a lot of support, although not in the context of formal mentoring. What do you find uh, when you when you look back at the stories that were told uh, by the folks that you interviewed, the the fabulous fifty two women, uh, as far as the split between who was mentoring them? Well, there are a lot of fields that were male dominated for a long time. So if you were in that role, 
if you're in that profession, there were, would probably only be men available. And what I had expected to hear were a lot of stories about the glass ceiling and being held back by the, the men in the old boys group. And actually, I didn't. I was very surprised through at least these 52 women, which, you know, I mean, it's a good handful here. I didn't hear those stories. Actually, I heard more stories of women who held them back. So if you're in a profession such as, like my sister is a stockbroker. She's been a broker for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. And her mentor, who was a woman, was one of the first women in the field. Mm -hmm. So she had no other women to go to. So, you know, she had to count on the men. And she said, you know, pretty much as my sister says, you make your own way. You you need to, to get the help, but then once you're there, you're on your own. I mean, you have to really, you have to prove yourself whether you're a man or a woman shouldn't make any difference. And really, as long as the women are open and allowing the next person to come up and join them on the ladder, you know, there seem to be fewer problems than um, actually from the men holding them back. Is that was that what you were asking? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I, that's very interesting. And, you know, I've heard that same story of, uh, and it, I never considered myself, um, you know, someone who would have been thought of as a, a women's liberation advocate. But I, I've found lately that I tend to be a little bit of a, a female chauvinist in that I prefer to work with women I prefer to be around women, and I realized lately that the reason why I have men mentors is to help me be successful in that male-dominated world. So I guess I'm not surprised by that. Um, and we and do bring different energies to, to the workforce. And, you know, naturally you can say uh, we're all equal, but we're not. We tend to be a little bit more emotional. We want to read body language. We we look at the whole story. If someone's talking to us, we're we're looking at their eyes and we're watching their mannerisms, and they may be saying, go for it, and you're looking at them thinking, hmm, that person doesn't really think I can handle this job. Where a man isn't likely to do that as much. They give you an assignment, and if you say, yeah, I can handle it, they say, okay, she can handle it. She's not shrugging right. her shoulders. She's not saying she can't, or she's not looking scared. She said she can handle it and leave right. it at it. So it is good to watch both male and females at work and how we react to each other and you know are they re- am I giving a mixed signal on my abilities or my desire to do the job or um are they just listening to the words that I'm saying am I saying what I need to say and then am I showing them what I need to show them right Mary, in the, in the beginning of your book um you actually have a number of bullet points that that are uh, essentially your definition of mentoring. And, you know, without going through and actually reading that list, can you give us um, just really a snapshot of of what a successful mentor brings to the person who wants to be mentored? Um, how about I illustrate it? If I, Perfect. If I show you it, an office, and in this office A, there is uh, an employer and an employee, and the boss gives uh, this woman her assignments, and she does her work, and she gets another assignment, and she turns it in, and she makes her deadlines. As opposed to another office where there's a mentoring superior there. there, her boss is a mentor. So she says, this is what I'd like you to do, and you feel that it's way beyond, but your mentor sets you up. 
she gives you an assignment and then some structure to it and some suggestions on how it can be done, points you into the direction of other people who can help you, and then lets you use your own creativity in there too. Which where would you rather work? You know, <laughs> you can grow with the second one. The first one, you're just going to be on the same level as long as you work there. They're not going to find what your capabilities are. They're not going to give you any other work than what you, you're able to do at the present moment. So a mentor is going to teach you. It's going to, she's going to identify different characteristics that you probably don't even know that you have. She's going to see abilities in you. She's going to inspire you. She's going to offer you opportunity to grow. She's not going to just give you a job that you can handle, but some place where you can actually exceed. You're going to get right. an assignment, and then she will come back to you and say, okay, this is what you could have done better, and this is why you could have done it better or how you could have done it better. But this is also where you show, you were shining, and this is why you did so well here. That's how we learn, and we learn through our mistakes and being pointed out, but not being put down because of them, but rather to just show that how there could have been a better way of handling right. something. So the mentor, I think, is a very rich leader. It's a very, it's a person that can uh, be a real springboard for you, rather than just someone who gives you a job. You know, I love the use of the word protege um, in in the uh, a beautiful word <laughs> yeah, in the bullet pointing uh, uh, of the definition of mentoring because I think that that's really the distinction is it's not necessarily um, you know just a reporting relationship, but it really is someone that you take under your wing, and they they may not even work for you. Um, or even be in the same company, and and we we definitely have a number of those situations within the executive girlfriends group where, uh, you know, a particular individual has gravitated toward one of our our, our mentors, and and that relationship has happened, uh, you know, again quite naturally as opposed to being assigned, and uh, you know I've I have been involved in a situation recently where we've had someone. Um, who thought they wanted to be mentored, but it, but it wasn't the right personality combination. And, that's and so you know, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because not every successful woman or man is the right match for or not. Maybe they don't even have the capability to really be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Because some people can't do it, and it is very relational. You know, it's it's based on a relationship and. And what tends to happen is if you have a powerful mentor, you're going to be a lifelong friendship or you're going to have at least a bond there that yes. you're going to always come back to that person. Mm-hmm. I know I have a couple of mentors who, um, for example, Susan Heitch, I had did, done some writing for her while she was marketing director of First Card, which became Bank One, which then became Chase and then J.P. Morgan, and she's still right. with them. And she would give me an assignment and she would say, okay, this is what I want, this is how I want it, this is when I want it. But she also gave me all the elements I knew to give her exactly what she needed and she would be pleased with that. And then she would give me something more challenging the next time. And so she really set me up to do well with her. Today we're still friends. We talk periodically. I judge a a writing contest for her that she's involved in, so she must still... Uh, feel that I'm a decent writer, and you know we still have this this bond together, and that's what's critical. 
because you can you can put two people together who just like in any relationship that are good people and have a lot to offer but they just don't mesh we can learn a lot from a mentor actually who is counter to us as you do for any with any relationship i mean they still they have wisdom and they have knowledge and they have experience to offer if we want to listen to it and actually it could be good for us because it could challenge to us to open up in a different way but for the most part there has to be uh, a mutual respect that goes on between the two right. of you and you know right. the problem with today's technology is a lot of the young people come out of school and they are brilliant and they have um, a real creative insight into the new technologies. So they may think that they can exceed well, and then they get out to work and they find out they're starting at zero. They're starting at the bottom because experience has a lot to offer, too. I mean, you, you also want somebody with experience. So your mentor may not be as technologically advanced as you are. Mm-hmm but they have the wisdom and the experience behind you. So we can learn from each other, too. So it's, a, it's a win-win for both sides. Right, and, and I think that brings up a really important point because as, as you are seeking a mentor, it's important to let them know how, how you grow and learn and, and what, what environments work the best for you. Because, uh, again, one of the points uh, that sticks out at me is you talk about mentoring uh, being supporting that protege's growth at their own pace and in their own way, and I think not trying to turn the the, the protege into you, um, and and assuming that that they are able to learn uh, at that same pace. That's true because uh, they may be more visual, or uh, they really want a hands-on approach to something, and it may not be your style. So working yes. with a mentor or protege. Yeah, it's good to, to, if you can identify that in yourself and speak up when you're asking your mentor to mentor you, if it's a personal relationship, you know, where you're going to do this outside of a group such as um, your group that you do have here, but if you're looking one-on-one, you know, contact, first you would observe people around you or not, maybe even on the Internet or maybe somebody you work with from a distance and Uh then, See if you're comfortable, if you even, because you don't know till you get involved in the relationship really how it's going to work. But kind of watch first, and then respectfully request them to mentor you, and be specific. Say, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for presentation skills, or I'm looking to build my um, my speaking ability. I am I am looking for whatever, but be more specific because just to go to them and say I'd like to be mentored. Well, that's great. What do you want? You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, dipping into the ocean. I mean, what what do you want here? Exactly. So structure your time to say, you know, I I would like to be able to meet with you for um, 25 minutes twice a week, or can I take you to lunch on the second and third Tuesdays, or whatever it is. Try to give a timeline and see if that person can do it. Maybe your mentor can't. I know I was recently approached by another writer and she asked for me to mentor her. Right now in my personal life, it's pretty overwhelming. So I know I don't have that much time, so I had to tell her that right from the beginning. But I, I am available by email at almost any time. So right. um, there, I can still help her in some ways. So she sends me her work. I take a look at it. 
I critique it, you know, offer some suggestions of where to send it, and we're we're working kind of like that. So it's not right. as much as I'd like to do or I've done in the past, but I can still help her, and I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from her too. And Mary, one of the other things that that I've certainly seen, and I'd be interested in hearing, uh, you know, through the stories of of the people that you interviewed. Um, sometimes mentoring is is just for a season uh, that a particular individual will come in and out of your life, and that doesn't mean that it wasn't successful. Absolutely. Sometimes we meet someone in a grocery line store and waiting in a doctor's office, and they really give us insight to something that really changes things for us. It gives us an entirely different outlook on something. Or you might be working only in an office for a certain project or um, you know, for a year or two while you're at a certain company or living near someone. So often mentors are available who are in our vicinity, and that's what we have to work with. And in that time space, it doesn't mean that they're not invaluable. They could be actually critical to changing our path. But it doesn't have to be forever. You know, some some are more significant than the others, but um, it could be just for a short period of time also. Right, right. I think it's interesting. If you look through history, you see clusters of tremendously successful people that did live and work close together. Like if you look at Renaissance painters or the the fine artists artists of the Impressionist time, you know why is there that group of friends that were still looking at Monet's painting or were still looking at Renoir and Michelangelo and you know the same time period? And these were people who knew each other. It's because they were mentoring each other. They were working and feeding off of each other and being inspired and watching and seeing what the other guy is doing. And, you know, in politics you see that too, or in the founding right. of their country. Why why were those people all clustered together and had made such a significant um, change in, in the world and in our history? And it's because they're together. So surround yourself by with successful people, people who are powerful or people who are kind or people who are achieving what, they, what right. you want to achieve. And for women, it isn't always necessarily that we want to make the most money. We need to sustain ourselves, but uh, we're looking at a lot more than that. We're looking at characteristics and, you know, does that leader have the integrity and the compassion and the ability and the strength that we would like to have? And it's not always so easily taught, but I think you, by observing it, we can learn a whole lot more than you can. Right, do. and you bring up a really interesting point because we do live in such an electronic world, and and I know particularly uh, the younger uh, women who are a part of the Next Generation Leaders Program. You know, they they grew up in this world where where digital was normal, and. And I know in my own life, uh, you know, I've taken a look at the the last four years I've been working at home, and uh, we had uh, ended up selling our office building, and and I had been used to having a lot of people around, and a lot of the mentoring and uh, both that I do and that is done for me uh, is now done by phone. And I am finding particularly because I am not working in an office environment that I'm really craving that face-to-face. And and so, again, I think it, it may just be a season for me, but I'm wondering how many of the, the, the women who listen to this call 
uh, are in similar situations where they're either, either working home from home a couple of days a week or maybe they work at home all the time, you know, in a, a remote sales job or consulting. And uh, I, I think your advice of actually surrounding yourself physically <laughs> Um, yes. with really, really bright people that you can have some face-to-face interaction with, even if it's only once a month, uh, is a really useful way to augment uh, having some mentoring relationships that do happen by phone. And you do have to, and we read things differently on paper, on the screen, on our text, than when we're actually face-to-face with someone, even on the phone. You can hear on the voice. When I would interview for features for newspaper, I really wanted to talk to these people on the phone for about an hour before I met them face-to-face because two things happen. When you only listen to the words, you you hear certain things. And then when you see them, we're distracted by the environment and the person's appearance. You can't help it. It's influ- You're influenced by that. So right. I think both are necessary. They're vital because then when I see this person, they were never what I thought they would look like. <laughs> it didn't matter. I mean, but they were always heavier, thinner, taller, shorter, you know, darker, lighter. They just were not what I expected. And it goes to show you 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 need both to get a whole picture and a whole feel about a person. But I have people that I have worked with. For 20 years, I've never met them. I've never seen them face-to-face. And mm-hmm. even a photo is not the same, you know, because you don't see that life in them. So um, if you have to work from home, which so many of us today have a home office or 90% of our time is your home office, you do have to belong to some type of mentoring or networking group where you can see people face-to-face. Right. And, you know, there are communities all around us. You can do uh, communities for for your fun, you know, some social activity or for uh, a hobby or a church group or um, a business group. But we absolutely have to reach out to see people, especially if you're an at-home mom, too, and you have you have your children and you have, you know, you have the moms you work with, and that's great, but it's always on the run. You need some time where you can just sit and talk and look at each other. Right. Really and Mary, I want to be respectful of your time because I know Patty had indicated that this was a 30-minute call. Do you have a few more minutes? Oh, yeah, sure, certainly. Okay, wonderful. And Thank Lindsay, I, I don't know if, if you needed to get off at 5.30, but um, I would like to just dig a little bit into uh, kind of the meat of the book. And one of the things I like to share with our listeners um, is is a, a bit from the table of contents because, you know, it's so difficult, even if we have an hour interview, to really dig deeply in into what the book offers. And, and I think, um, you know, while uh, the opportunity to talk to the author one-on-one is, is uh, one of the most valuable things that we offer here at both the Executive Girlfriends Group and, and the Next Gen Leaders, um, I don't want to underemphasize the importance of, of getting a hold of some of these books. And Mary begins uh, talking about uh, leadership up close and personal and, and the, the whole relational aspect and, and then how mentoring can be uh, a very, very important tool in building success. And then she uh, touches on the structured mentoring programs and those that, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, evolve a little bit more naturally. And then the whole uh, concept of role models and uh, using the mentoring process to mirror our, our role models. 
And um, Mary, I want to uh, just dive in here just a little bit deeper to Chapter 5, which talks about first impressions. And you just shared with us that we do get distracted when we meet people face-to-face. Can you share a, a little bit about that topic as it came out in the interviews? And that first that first impression happens over the phone and in writing, too, which is critical right. when we are... Uh, trying to meet someone or build a relationship at work or, you know, trying to build a client, uh, a, a relationship with a client also, and how we word it. Because today we have to be our own writers. And I know a lot of people don't have the writing ability. You know, years ago there would be secretaries. Everybody would have a staff, and the boss would tell the secretary, this is what I want written, and they would write it out. They'd write out a beautiful letter. Not all of us can do that. Right. So when you are approaching someone, you do have to watch your words and and put up front what are you what are you looking for, but those first impressions count whether they're written or verbal. And um, on an interview, I I mean I understood that I was often interviewing people who weren't like they weren't used to being interviewed, so it would make them uncomfortable. So I allow for that. I mean I understand that people aren't are not going to necessarily put their best foot forward in an interview. And then on the other hand, you have some that are like politicians who are being interviewed all the time. They're extremely difficult to interview because they tell you what they think you want to hear. They're not necessarily, not that they're trying to be hiding anything in particular, but uh, they have all these catchphrases and this, persona that they want to put out so it's pretty hard to dig down you have to keep working around from inside and outside so uh the first impression is pretty frozen on you know fun to be able to see uh how far you can go and typically on a profile i would end up spending quite a bit of time with people and ending up with um, a friend in the end so it, it was always really interesting uh, one one point I wanted to bring out is there was a man I met a number of years ago. His name was Judge Abraham Lincoln Marovich, and he was a federal uh, federal judge. And he was retired at the time I met him, but he still had an office in the Daly Plaza uh, building. And I had walked into his office, and every single inch of this suite that he had was covered in photos. Every desk, every wall, every table, everything was just loaded, loaded with photos of people. And he said, I surround myself with these faces because each one of those people contributed to who I am today. They contributed financially, emotionally, uh, politically. They've been, I, of all of them. And that's what happens in mentoring because a part of that mentor goes into the protege who turns around and passes it on to everyone they mentor. And that's why I like that title, Mentoring Heroes, because it could be read from either the point of view of the mentor or or the protege. They're both heroes. The mentor is a hero who, who mentors future heroes. And we just keep passing that on. And I love that man's legacy that he had left behind. Well, and he would the first thing he would say is, "What can I do for you?" And he would do whatever most of the time was political because somebody needed something done on their street or with the government or whatever and when I was there, I was there simply to meet him 
and he continuously asked me, but what can I do for you? He said, no, I really don't want you to leave until I can do something for you. And I said, what you did for me was immeasurable because it reminded me how important my work in, in promoting mentoring was. That's everything that he, he was about. Well, I, I love that idea of, of filling your uh, your field of vision with those people who have impacted you because think about this. Your he level, be, uh, he, you know, he, and I'm sure his photo was on many people's desks. He was, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know that that um, brings me back to the table of contents and just sharing, you know, some of the other uh, points that are covered in the book, talking about uh, the teachers that we've had as our leaders. Uh, and also about peer mentorship, that it isn't all uh, someone who is, is further along in their career, but perhaps someone who, who just... And then focusing in on, on the wisdom uh, that we can glean from our mentors. I You know, I love... Uh, one of the thing, things our pastor shares is is that you know you can either learn by going through it or you can learn by hearing how someone else uh, went through it, and that's true <laughs> wisdom. Yeah, is not not having to experience it yourself. And you know, uh, I, I think it's interesting that that so many of us do have a, a lot of of failure to share. And and you know, points uh, either of personal failure or, or of business failures. Um, where there was so much learning and so much more learning happens in that valley than happens on the mountaintop. Uh, so, uh, you know, that brings us to the last couple of chapters, which talks really about having having divine guidance in our lives and, and irrespective of, of where your personal faith is, uh, really knowing that, that we are not the be-all and end-all and, and that it, it actually is in our weakness and sharing our weakness that we learn how to be strong. And, you know, I think that that, that uh, principle that, that was shared in the New Testament uh, is so, such an important part of my uh, leadership and knowing that I don't have to be perfect and, and that actually I can share those things that are flaws in, in my own life because I know I know who I am and what I'm meant to be. Um, you also talk about trailblazers and being a lighthouse, and then you know the the close of the book is actually calling you to mentor, and and you've you've mentioned throughout our discussion today that that uh, one of the things that being mentored does is it equips you to mentor. Mary, can I get you to share just one more of your favorite stories from the book, and then I think we are going to need to uh, bring this portion to a close, and then. Uh, Give those that are on the phone a chance to uh, to talk to you off uh, off of the recording. Susan Schreeder was uh, one of the women that I had talked to, and Susan had founded n- numerous companies that were um, extremely profitable. And in fact, one of them was uh, sold out to I think Hasbro Play School, and she she would just take these companies and build them and then they would be absorbed by another larger company but where did she get that from from her mentor and she said her mentor was someone who had worked with fortune 500 companies he was always working with 100 dollar 100 million dollar contracts so he inspired her he didn't keep her in a little limited box and say okay you know there's nothing wrong with opening the corner store and uh, having a few products and selling. Of course, today that's pretty hard to, 
to stay in business with just a little corner store unless you open it up to the Internet. But um, regardless, you know, she surrounded herself with very successful people who, in a very, very big way because that's what she wanted to do. And she is an extremely powerful mentor today. She works with women who want to set themselves up in business and not just to have a little business but an actual uh, surviving and thriving company. So I, I think that that's one of the last things I'd like to say, too, is when you, when you look at a mentor, look at where you want. Your mom can be a great mentor and can mentor you in so many ways. So I'm not saying that it, it has to be someone who is extremely successful, but if you want to aspire to something in particular, reach reach big. I was surprised how many women talked to me. Some of these women, like the president of the American Medical Association, was happy to share her story. I picked up the phone. I called her. She talked to me. And, uh, and that happens when when you reach out to somebody. People uh, hear that you admire them and that you see some value in the work that they've done. That's what we all want to do, have a little bit of recognition. So reach out to someone, you know, you reach for the stars if you want. And if they can't, they're going to tell you not that they can't or they're not going to answer you, you know. Right. But you have nothing to lose for asking. Absolutely, absolutely. Mary, I want to thank you so much uh, for 52 Fabulous Women's Path to Success and the mentors who empowered them. And it's got a lovely picture of, of a woman's hands holding a butterfly that is, is coming out of its uh, cocoon and, and flying off. And I think that that is a great image to leave us with. And, uh, Mary, how can folks reach you if they are wanting to talk to you directly? The easiest way is through ma- email. Uh, they could send any message to Mary K for Kathleen Doyle, D-O-Y-L-E, at sbcglobal.net, and I'd love to talk to anyone who wants to reach out. I am really happy to hear from anybody who's involved in mentoring or wanting to be mentored or has any questions in particular, so please don't hesitate to contact me. Well, great. I am just going to take the recorded uh, portion off uh, at this time so that that if we do have any live questions, we can go ahead and and get those without uh, putting them on tape. So hang on one second. 